A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. Come down to Anfield and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you shawnee man? I've spent the last couple of days catching up on all the Second Captain's podcast episodes about Ireland's World Cup preparation that I missed while I was away. So let me just check I have all this right. There was the athletic story about Vera Powell's time in America and mm. all the covers it followed. Yeah. Three 0 defeat to France. Katie McCabe going off injured in that one. Yeah. An abandoned warm up game against Colombia, in which our star player Denise O'Sullivan suffers an injury serious enough she had to go to hospital. Yeah. The Colombian subsequently releasing footage of the foul in question. The FAI refusing to upload its own footage from the game, presumably because they don't see the value in continuing this war of words at this point. Um, have I missed anything? It doesn't sound ideal, Ken. Going right back to the up the ass stuff from so long ago. Oh, yeah. It seems like kind of an ill-starred build-up to hey. this tournament. But maybe I'm only catching the, the bad news out of the last couple of weeks rather than all the good stuff. Well, it could have been worse, though. You know? Could have been a lot worse for Denise O'Sullivan. You're welcome to Monday Second Captain's Football Podcast, everybody. By the way, the Republic of Ireland's campaign kicks off this Thursday, opening day of the World Cup against the hosts Australia in front of more than 80,000 supporters in Sydney, by which time all the ups and downs of the build-up will be long forgotten. It's going to be one of the great Irish sporting occasions, particularly if the result goes our way. World Service members will hear all our coverage throughout the week, before and after the game. If you're not already a member, you can sign up on secondcaptains.com. Only five euro a month plus fat. And there's no minimum contract beyond the opening month. If you'd like to report on some sport, please, Ken. Yeah, well, you started off there um, with, the, uh, with the Women's World Cup, which obviously is getting underway in three days now. Um, and it looks like Denise O'Sullivan is probably going to be available for that game. I mean, they haven't confirmed that yet. Yeah. But she's she was in sort of light training today. Um, you know, in Brisbane, they've I think they've gone to Sydney today um, for the for the match on Thursday. But uh, so she wasn't doing full training. I guess is bruised. They they showed the or as you say, the Colombians released. It's kind of a it's a grainy uh, footage. It's a bit like mm. the quality of footage of Jan Molby's <laughs> goal at Anfield that time in the season that they weren't showing the league. Does that even exist at all? I thought that footage never existed. No, they they it turned up, but it was a similar type of. It looks like a CCTV footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a bit grainy, but you can see the Sylvan is sort of infield. Uh, the ball gets played into her and she tries to control it and move forward. And at this moment, 
um, whether the Colombians comes across from from O'Sullivan's left um, and basically takes her in the shin. It looks like um, maybe catches her high in the ankle. Uh, one way or the other, uh, it seemed like a, a kind of a straight-legged tackle and obviously one which Ireland reacted really badly to uh, and O'Sullivan had to go to hospital and the game was called off uh, and the Colombians, I don't think, were impressed by this. Kind of like, oh, you know, doing the crying thing. Oh, you're all, you know, apparently you're scared of a few tackles. Um, but uh, Let them eat shit, <laughs> supposedly one of the Colombian players said. Yeah, it was one of those... Uh, one of those quotes. Maybe, maybe it's one of those that sounds worse in translation. I'm not sure. Yeah, she was talking to supporters. It was like, the, and supporters had her phone out, and they're like, "Ah, oh, they're a bunch of little girls." Uh, yeah, it was let, let them eat shit. Is supposedly how it was translated. So yeah, so they weren't they weren't ready. They didn't have the they they didn't have the bottle to stand and fight. Uh, seemed to be the general tone mm. from the Colombians. So yeah, it's not. Uh, it hasn't been great, though. But, yeah, uh, it, we're almost there. <laughs> the tournament <laughs> is about to start. But Australia, of course, have their own problems. Yeah. Um, they're, it's an equal pay dispute. Another equal pay dispute. Uh, this one is... So they've released a video. Um, basically, they've done a deal with the Australian um, FA, Football Australia, um, which which means that they get the same minimum percentage of prize money from tournaments as the Australian men's team. The difference, though, is the fact that the um, prize money uh, that FIFA offer for women is only one quarter of what it's off, what's offering. So the important word there men. was percentage, is what you said there. Yeah, they get the same percentage, but of a much uh, smaller pot. So they're saying FIFA needs to, you know, practice what it preaches in terms of equality and so on. Although, you know, obviously the fact is that FIFA have been uh, spent a lot of the build-up to this tournament uh, threatening that it wasn't going to be on TV in Europe because the offers that they had received were, were in their view, derisory or not reflective of the real commercial value of these uh, of these contracts. Although um, the Australian uh, PFA uh, co-CEO, Kate Gill, says they've, they've got $4 billion in reserve so they can afford to spend and equalize things now. She's basically saying, well, they should just make it equal. I mean, I, I don't know if um, if uh, FIFA are going to do that. Johnny <laughs> Infantino, we're looking forward to his, his speech. He, he always likes to kick off these World Cups with a speech. Oh, is he doing one? Oh, yeah. He'll be, he'll oh, be, great. He'll be doing one all right. Um, so I guess he'll be asked to address this, um, but I suppose on uh, on his terms. Um, well, FIFA are, are, have essentially is the point here that FIFA have already given themselves an out by repeatedly talking about how there's just not the same money. You know, people aren't broadcast the broadcasters' fault. People aren't stumping up the cash, so hmm. they're in a position now where they can say, "Listen, we'd love to," because they have committed to doing it. As far as I know, they had, they, they had committed to doing this over the next few years, um, but. Whether or not it happens now, it seems as though they might. I think I saw the phrase they might be able to weasel out of it by one of the yeah that Australians. Was, there are a few a few weasel words, um, but I mean what she's describing is as weasel words. A few weasel words in their commentary around the broadcast and sponsorship mixture having to be right before they can move to that. Okay, um, but you know, I mean, I guess FIFA were saying to the um, to the TV companies in Europe or the you know the the 
the whichever channels are going to be showing this tournament you know the the levels that you're bidding for this tournament are so far below what you're paying for the men's world cup do they have any point here fifa can they be you know I mean it's easy to sneer at everything Gianni no, yeah, ever I mean, says I but if, you, if you're saying there's not enough money coming into into this tournament we don't actually have we don't have the money I mean FIFA have money but this could be the argument they construct like, you know it's not it's not bringing in the money I know this is the kind of argument that women have heard about women's sport for many years and probably uh, sounds extremely annoying yeah but, you know is there is there any sort of grain of no, of course, there, of, of course there is. Of course there is, and, and I think that's why FIFA's FIFA's tone when they were, uh, you know, when when they were sort of issuing these statements about in that sort of TV row was kind of how can you treat women this way? You yeah. know what I mean? Because like they're they're sort of in the position of by underpaying for our stuff, you know. So it's kind of it was it was obviously sort of self serving, but like they were kind of um, they were pointing the finger a little bit here, I suppose, in the awareness that it's going to get pointed at them, and they're kind of like, well. Mm. You know, ultimately, we can only pay out what comes in. Our four, our four billion dollar reserve aside. Well, this is what I was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all those arguments tend to be super. But you could actually just go and do it. You could actually just dip into those reserves, pay the money, and then the broadcast, the interest, which feels to be there. I don't understand why supposedly that the broadcasters aren't willing to pay big money. But it feels there's a lot of interest in this one anyway. Maybe it's just because we're involved in it. Feels like the biggest one that there's been. Uh, one of the I think is a cricket Australia have already made made great strides and they've made the point that you have to actually commit to these things you don't necessarily have to wait for certain markers to hit if you commit to something that will then help to make it more successful in the future rather than waiting around for the moment that the tournament washes its own face with the broadcasters yeah um, yeah. I mean I think it's it's uh, to say that there should be I mean you've, you've seen for instance in, in the FAI it, the, you know, the match appearance fees and so on are kind of the same now for men and women. The Wales did the same thing. They had to cut the, I think it was like a 25% cut in the men's match fees and so on. But these amounts of money are are trivial compared to the, you know, hundreds of millions or billions being talked about in, in this other situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So The other point about it is that there seems to be a suggestion this might be a distraction. You always hear this anytime any sports team makes any sort of a stand, this could then comes back at them. And it probably will if they were to lose the opener, to be honest, if mm. we were to turn them over somehow. But I don't really feel to if they lose the opener on Thursday. Nobody's going to be talking about this uh, pay stuff uh, the, immediately after the game because there'll be other things to talk about if Australia lose. If Ireland that. somehow win that match. But yeah, so that's, um, that's where that's at. Um, Meanwhile, Ken, it's a Monday in the middle of the summer. Oh, Got to be some transfer bullshit. Oh, yes. Um, well, there's, I mean, I feel like it hasn't really taken off that much yet, this transfer stuff. There's this Harry Kane, Bayern thing. People are trying to make it interesting by, <laughs> you know, saying uh, Uli Hoeneß said something kind of insulting about Tottenham. Uli Hoeneß uh, said... Um, well, uh, if, you know, the, the, what was his exact quote? Um, he signaled in all conversations that the, his decision stands. And if that decision stands, then we will get him because Tottenham will have to buckle. And it was like this, uh, this statement that Tottenham will buckle mm. is apparently like, uh, a red rag to Daniel Levy. How dare you say that I buckled? Well, I can imagine because the the man who literally prides himself on not buckling in these 
fraught transfer situations. Yeah. We, he wants to play internationally, by which he means in Europe. Luckily for us, Tottenham will not be active internationally, says Udi Harness. He has another opportunity to come to a top club. His advisors are very pleasant in this case. Until now, his father and brother have always stood by what they promise. If it stays that way, then that's okay. So they seem to have said, yes, uh, yeah, serve us. Uh, Harry will be with you in Munich uh, pretty shortly. But it's not up to them. <laughs> is Charlie Kane, is agent Charlie Kane going to find his his um, best laid pla- plans frustrated again? Could could that happen? In this? Oh, I, I think, it, think could. it could. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're looking at it from Levy's point of view, they've offered 70 million. Pfft, it didn't sound that great, you know, when you consider some of the deals that have, you know, how much did Anthony cost, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, really, is this what we're going to get for Harry Kane? And if you think about it in terms of what Tottenham might t- might do this season, I mean, what's like their success this season is qualify for the Champions League. And if they did that, that's worth that. I mean, that's worth about that much money to them. Yeah. It could be, you know, it could be more if they were to actually do well in the Champions League. But if they did qualify for it, then not only would they get that money back, even if Kane was sent to leave on a free transfer, there would also be a much better chance, I would say, of holding on to Kane. The question is, do you actually want to do that? Or might it ne- might now actually be a good time to say, you know what, Harry Kane's been a great player for us, and now it's time that we build a new team and move on. Because there's nothing, you know, like that situation in football where you've got, like, an old guy who can't run anymore. And I'm not saying that's Kane yet. I'm just saying in a couple of years, you've got an old guy who can't run anymore. He gets paid, like, um, you know, three times as much as the next best paid player in the team and still has to have the whole team built around him. Is it a good situation? I'm not sure it always is. So... You'd uh, sell him if you were. I would sell him to Bayern at that sort of price. But it's not about it's not about what I want on, or what I would do. It's about what Daniel Levy wants and what Daniel Levy would do. Uh, and now, uh, in terms of this saga, not very interesting. But it's what you know. It's <laughs> well, that's the problem. The, uh, it, it, it get it, the problem with these transfers is they just they take an awful long time. And in the case of Harry Kane, it's a transfer that very w- may well not happen. So mm. this could be going on for another three, four weeks. It could. What uh, I suppose more interesting is the Saudi Arabian angle. Um, it looks as though uh, Riyad Mahrez is going to go to Al-Akhli uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, he's had one of those Jordan Henderson offers and he's mm-hmm. he sounds like he's pretty excited by it and obviously Guardiola was leaving him out quite a lot last year even though he was still one of the top contributors in Man City's teams in terms of, uh, team in terms of goals and assists. Maybe he's thinking he, it might be time to, for him to go. Um, to Alakli, who are also linked with Alan San Maximan. Oh, yeah. So this is a pretty exciting pair of wingers they're talking <laughs> about bringing in uh, to, to Alakli. The PIF owned Alakli. This is one of the four Saudi teams that are directly owned by the same entity that owns Newcastle United. So this would be a situation where you could have the PIF selling Alan San Maximan to the PIF. Yeah. Which is... Nice. Yeah. Uh, I suppose there's probably all kinds of Chinese walls in there, which mean that the, the deal can be done in a normal way or whatever. Um, and Newcastle then taking this money and reinvesting it in Kwitra Kvartskalia, the, the uh, incredible Georgian George Best. That's the plan, is it? Well, this is, uh, this is the, um, the link mm. that's been uh, doing the rounds. I mean, they're talking about, like a, I think it was a 90 million euro bid. Uh, for Kvart who was the Italian player of the year, the best player with Ossiman in the um, title-winning Napoli team, would be an absolutely sensational signing, I think, for Newcastle. 
Yeah. Um, uh, and all the more so if, I mean, it all depends on what the PIF can pay the PIF for, <laughs> for Alonso Maxima. A bit of money for Alonso Maxima. And then I mean, an exciting wait. player in, in his own right. You know, one of the most exciting in the league, but... Uh, it was about the only exciting thing about Newcastle for a while in the pre-PIF days. Yeah. Lacking a little bit of consistency. Yeah, that's probably true. He's only 26. He's still... They are, it is starting to be... Well, no, Mares is 32, in fairness, but you wouldn't mm. say Mares is exactly past his prime either. No. So it does seem that there's start, you know, there are more and more footballers who have some good years left. Yeah, well, I mean, Ruben Neves... Is the place to go, you know? I saw Ruben Neves doing an interview where he was like, well, I mean, yeah, like, here I am. And look, I've got a wife and three kids, and that's all I care about. Uh, he didn't sort of try, try to say that he was going to go and try and change Saudi be, Arabia. Be an agent of change, as you guys were talking <laughs> about last week with Jordan Henderson. No, he didn't. There wasn't any of this. He just said, well, I'm just, I'm basically here for the money. There's an unbelievable amount of it and I'm going to get it while the getting's good. You know, I mean, Ruben Neves, I suppose he's been sitting there at Wolves for what, six years or something? Um, a really long time, longer, I, I imagine, than he thought when he joined Wolves. And playing pretty well, I think. One of the best players in his position in the Premier League but never picked up by any one bigger. Mm. I think because either the co a combination of Wolves looking for a bit too much money and him being just a little bit slow. You know, just a, he's just a little bit slow for, uh, you know, if you want to buy like a, a number six, like what's Ruben Neves passes the ball brilliantly. Yeah, strikes the ball well. Strikes the ball beautifully. Uh, is a good player, just a little bit slow, you know? And if he just wasn't, if he just could move around a bit, zip around a little bit faster, uh, he did manage to score that great goal against Liverpool where, you know, these guys are all going to Saudi Arabia as well. But the, the players he was waltzing past, actually, Thiago still hasn't gone. Thiago's still at Liverpool. But, you know, Fabinho is, is it looks like, going to go and Henderson, well, we'll wait and see. Um, but, yeah, I guess he, he maybe thought, well, you know, if it's not going to happen, if, if I'm not going to, if Wolves is the, the if I'm not going to be able to play for a team on a higher level than Wolves, realistically, mm -hmm. I've been here long enough. It was going to happen. It would have happened by now. Then, you know, I might as well, this is the next, you know, looking well, after my family. At least he's being honest. Is the next best option. He's not dressing it up in any, in any other way. So that's, uh, that's what's going on there. What else is happening? Uh, oh, Harry Maguire. I mean, Harry Maguire, for some reason, posts that his, you know, he's no longer the Man United captain. Yeah, so Ten Hag had a chat with him, stripped stripped him of the captaincy. He's a little bit dramatic, but told him he's no no longer the captain. And Maguire came straight out with that news, re released it to everybody. After discussions with the manager today, discussions, like the manager told me. Ah, you've got to keep some semblance of authority in there. After discussions with the manager today, he has informed me he is changing captain. He outlined his reasons to me whilst I'm personally extremely disappointed. I will continue to give my all every time I wear the shirt. Oh, great. Like, I mean... I mean, why is he writing this? I want to say a massive thank you to Manchester United fans for their brilliant support. Since the day I took on the role three and a half years ago, it's been a huge privilege to lead Manchester United. One of the proudest moments of my career today. It's one of the greatest honors in club football. I've done everything I possibly could to help United be successful on and off the field. Really? I mean, everything on and off. I mean, when he says, just he's the one who wrote the words off the field in this but message. You about the, I'm just the, thinking the, of Mykonos. The little incident there in Greece, yeah. I'm just like, you know, just don't talk about off the field. Uh, I will always be grateful to Odegaard and Solskjaer for first giving me the responsibility. I wish whoever now takes it on 
every success and they will have my full support. Well, that's great. Like, I mean, although I wouldn't have expected anything else. Like, I mean, well, you're not, you're hardly in a position for that even to matter, frankly. You know, he's, he's not a, he's not in the team. Well, presumably he won't be wearing the jersey again would be the plan from Man United's point of view if they can offload him. Yeah. Uh, I, which which obviously they they will want to do. It's a little because, strange they didn't just. Get, I presume it's Bruno Fernandez. It, it, it was not. Well, he was the guy who was captain for basically last season because yeah, well, Maguire wasn't in the team. Maybe Ten Hag didn't expect Maguire just to blurt it straight out onto his social media. But we we know he is quick to do that generally after games or has been sometimes. I think he, he's just obsessed with like you know ripping off his his shirt and like bearing his his uh, bosom to the bullets. You know, he's just like, look at me. I'm fronting up again. You know, he's got he's got a yeah. martyr martyr complex. <laughs> <laughs> it's like stop like just stop doing this, you know, just Well, this is a little bit different in fairness because he's trying to just he's trying to manage the story. He's trying to take take control of control the narrative, Ken. The narrative is... It was going to come out. It was, there, would, there might have been an announcement a few days later saying Bruno Fernandez has been appointed new Manchester United captain. Yeah. Best wishes to Harry Maguire. He's been amazing. Blah, 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 blah. So he clearly wanted to own it a little bit. His last act of leadership in a Manchester United jersey is to release the news first. Yeah, it just... I just suppose in his last action as captain, he just shows why he was never a good captain. You know, because it just, it just reads like a kind of a pointless attempt to spin something after discussions with the manager. Like, there was no discussion. You just... it was You were just told what the new situation was and this is it. Like, and now you're kind of pretending it was some kind of... You know, again, I, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. Like, like I want to beat up on Harry Maguire, you know? Sorry, right, Ken, the World Cup's starting in a couple of days. Yeah. May United are back. Yeah. Uh, Rashford has, is signing a new contract. This He obviously was in the last year of his uh, of his contract, so a new contract for nearly 400 grand a week, which is pretty good. Oh, Nana, um, deal is still not done yet. But it looks very much as though it's going to be done. So a new goalkeeper. I mean, I don't know. Is that the third time we've we've mentioned that? Uh, I think it probably is. Uh, so I was away for some of this. So some of this is still fresh for me, Ken. I actually yeah. saw, oh, oh, Nana's going to Man United in the, this morning. Mm. This, this is juicy. You're telling me, well, we've talked about that twice already. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, Nana's in there, yeah. Rio Ferdinand was there, I suppose. So. Yeah, he was involved in um, some internet liking action over the over the weekend. Well, we got an email in about the Benjamin Mendy news from last Friday. Ex-Man City footballer Benjamin Mendy found not guilty of raping a woman and attempting to rape another. It comes after he was cleared at an earlier trial of six counts of rape and one count of sexual assault. Josh West emails, Hi, second captains. Mendy's been found not guilty and I won't get into the debate of whether he should be publicly supported or not. However, looking at the public support he has been given, I found the nature of this support from players and former players really interesting and I think very revealing about how players view their position and status as footballers. I think you can infer from the amount of and content of reactions and comments to Paul Pogba and Memphis Dubai's Instagram posts that a vast number of football players see themselves as the victimised group in inverted commas. I strongly get the sense that they feel they are often victimised and vulnerable to false allegations made from people and the media due to their status and wealth and that the Mendy case is a prime example of how they are targeted. This isn't something I thought about or seen before but it seems like a strong reaction from a lot of footballers and it's a reaction that surprised me. Also, I hope your ribs are doing all right, Ken, says Josh. Yeah, ribs are... We're back in studio. Back in studio today, Josh. Thanks for the email. But, Editor at secondcaptains.com, by the way. Yeah, so this was a thing that happened over the weekend and and um sort of the the reaction to it was was quite interesting as as Josh says. Um Mendy was cleared uh, or found not guilty on Friday. 
this was of, of the sort of second part of the. He'd, he'd already been found not guilty of most of the charges, as you mentioned. Um, and so he he's free, and, and that's it. It's These charges are history, as far as he's concerned. Uh, there can't be any appeal. The jury found him not guilty. So uh, there was immediately quite a lot of support from some of their players. Paul Pogba, the, you know, put a thing up of him sort of FaceTiming Mendy. Alhamdulillah, so sorry for you, bro. All the people that was talking about about you now, I want to see them cleaning your name. Can't wait to see you on the pitch again. Um, the one that got the biggest uh, reaction was was actually Memphis Depay. Mm. Memphis, Memphis, who wrote on, I think, Instagram and Twitter. I see his tweet has like 35 million views now. Uh, all cases dismissed. So what are we doing now? Who is going to help this brother heal? Who's going to be responsible for the damage on his name? How's he, how is he going to have his career back? Many years of investment to become a professional football player. Now what? I've never touched on this subject because I didn't know all the details, but I've spoken to him once through FaceTime while behind bars and faced him on the pitch a couple of times. I didn't see any evil in the man. We can't accept this to happen to us as athletes. Who's going to stand up for us in the time of need now uh, when the damage is already done? Don't turn your head, people. This was his response to it, and, th- and that was the, I think this was the comment that loads and loads of footballers, including Rio Ferdinand, um, Jack Grealish, like tons of others, like dozens and dozens of, of, of famous players were reacting to, were liking, or basically greeting positively. Um, Vinicius Jr. also wrote a, um, I'm sorry for everything you've been through, Benjamin Mendy. You lost two years of your career, but that's the least of this whole situation. What about the psychological damage? Surely your life will never be the same. The culture of destroying reputations has made yet another victim. Until when will we be accused and condemned without having the right to basic defense? Fake news are created and spread without checking any facts, which is something I personally felt a lot in this holidays. Then the situation only gets worse. Being responsible would be the minimum for any professional. But nowadays, serious work has become an exception. There's no limits to get more clicks and engagement. My question is, what will be done to repair the damage? Now, the Vinicius's comment seems to be an accusation, actually, of the media. Hmm. You know, um, you know, when he when he talks about clicks and engagement or whatever, I, this seems to be what he's. You know, the, this the culture of destroying repu, represent, um, destroying reputations and so on. Um, which isn't really the tenor of a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, when in terms of Depay's thing, like what what is he complaining about? Like we can't accept this to happen to us as athletes. Who's going to stand up to us in the time of need? Not when the damage is already done. And you can see that a lot of the uh, other commenters uh, underneath this post, which is obviously a massively viral post, that the you know a lot of them were saying stuff like, you know, what about the women who made false accusations, you know, what's, oh, they can just do this and they don't face any consequences. This man has had his career ruined and what about these women and, you know, when's, when are they going to be sent to jail kind of thing? Which, I don't know if that's, if that's what Memphis Depay means. Like, uh, if he, you know, what, who does he think should be responsible for what's happened to Benjamin Mendy here? Or, you know, what the situation that Benjamin Mendy's in, like who is, what what should be done here? I mean, it seems as though the one constituency he's got a lot of support from is professional football players. Yeah. Um, maybe they could help him out. I'm not sure. Um, but as to why, I mean, going back to the point that 
<clears throat> in the email, you know, why was there so much uh, of a response around this? I mean, for one thing, I mean, it's a guy who's charged with serious crimes who is found not guilty and walks free from the court, you know, after, you know, he was in prison for a long time. Uh, and obviously he's not a Man City player anymore. I mean, they, I think they stopped paying him in, in 2021 as well. So like his, you know, his contract didn't, didn't properly get, get finished or whatever. So he's obviously lost a lot. Um, but like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still not really quite sure what the, where, what, what, what Memphis, for example, is suggesting should now be done. You know what I mean? Is it like, yeah. this is a kind of, you know, this is what happens when these sort of crimes are alleged. I mean, a lot of players that is, are they liking this because they're, they like the, the image of a man who was accused of terrible things, uh, walking free, having, uh, been shown in the court proceedings to be not guilty. Is that, is that what they're responding to? Or are they responding to something else? So they're like, you know, you know, we're, we're kind of under attack the whole time, you know, as the, um, <clears throat> as the text is saying there, I mean, you also see people say stuff like, well, you know, uh, not guilty doesn't mean he's innocent. Um, you know, you can't, uh, it, which is, which is fair enough. It's like, it's not guilty and the, the burden of, or the, the standard is a high standard, you know, beyond reasonable doubt at the same time, a not guilty verdict does at least, <laughs> it should at least mean that like in, in official terms, you have to sort of kind of consider him not guilty. The whole point about this crime is that it's like notoriously one of the most difficult crimes to, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's one of the most difficult crimes to, to deal with. Yeah, man, but you're, but you're, and you made a point there about this outcry of people saying, oh, why don't we, why are we going after these women? You know, why isn't the law going after mm. women making false allegations? But that's exactly the kind of thing that that sort of attitude is one of the things that makes rape and sexual assault such a difficult crime to prosecute. You'll, you'll often see when a case collapses, the police make very clear that they don't want a, a collapsed case. And this is a different thing. This has gone to court. He's been found not guilty. Yeah. But in general, when a case collapses, due to lack of evidence or whatever it might be, you'll often hear the police then say, we strongly urge women essentially not to be put off going forward with any case they feel that, that, that needs to be brought to our attention effectively. And when there's an attitude of, let's go after these, th these people making false allegations, these women, I can see why that feeds into the fear a lot of women would have who, who are in and have been in very difficult situations regarding going ahead with any sort of cases. Yeah, I mean, it's all, so already, so according to the statistics from the country that Mendy uh, was being charged in, um, the UK, 57% um, of uh, cases, in 57% of cases, the defendant withdraws support for the case continuing. So somebody has made a complaint or uh, made an uh, accusation of rape and then as they investigated, the defendant decides that they no longer want to continue with it. And the reasons for that can be, I mean, there can be loads of reasons for that, right? Um, part of it, <clears throat> I'm sure has to do with the, it's the whole invasive process of dealing with it, going through all the evidence, um, having to, you know, testify and so on and so forth, um, which is, 
which a lot of people when they when they're faced with like the full sort of rigor of this feel like they're not up to that or they don't want to go through with it. What I'm saying is that there are a lot of reasons why these things don't. Yeah. So, so ha, it, the the percentage of cases that actually, um, okay, the, the percentage of cases that are reported to police that result in a prosecution that actually result in going to court is less than 2%. And then um, the number of uh, cases of those that result in an actual conviction is a little over half of those will result in an actual conviction. So you're looking at about a 1% conviction rate based on the number of complaints that are received. Now, maybe you think that's because 99% of people are making false accusations or maybe there are other things going on as well. You see, that's the, I think that's the kind of important thing to, to kind of uh, think about there. If, if these claims were obviously false... Right. If the if the accusations have been made, for example, in the Mendy case, were obviously false and completely without credibility, and now this person should these people who who said these disgraceful things just to destroy this young young man, uh, now now they should be punished. If they were obviously false, this case would not have gone to trial. Right. You end up having to have a trial because it's like uh, while these trials may not be good or they may not be very good at what they're doing, they are still our best the best way we have come up with yet of determining to the, you know, to the best people can establish whether something happened or not, whether there should be a, a punishment or not. I'm not saying that they're getting them right the whole time. It's just that like compared to sort of people on Twitter going, oh, well, you know, this guy is innocent or I saw no evil in the man. <laughs> right, well, I saw right. no evil in the man. I saw no evil. Like, you know. uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't I mean, uh, what, I mean, it's just a, how can you judge? You don't know anything about a person by just this you know, he, he couldn't possibly be capable of anything bad because I saw no evil in him that that part of it was just absolute nonsense but just to be clear again that, that Mendy has been found is not guilty yeah Mendy has been found not guilty and he will not be charged with any of these crimes again he you know this is uh, the, the jury has decided he's there's no there's no appeal with this process it's not like the prosecution going to say well hang on we're not happy with that it's uh, this case is over it's obvious that, that this struck a chord with a lot of players. And again, you don't know exactly why that is. You don't know whether it's because, you know, the there's a guy who's been found not guilty, you know, in a court of law after two years of, uh, you know, prison and um, kind of being put out of the game is, you know, free to uh, resume his career, you know, whether they're wishing well. Cause, and don't forget, there's obviously a racial element to this as well, you know, in the sense a black man is accused of serious crimes is like exonerated in a court of law. I mean, I think you can see that, say, in Vinicius's comment. You know, Vinicius is talking about reputations being traduced by the media. Um, and that's obviously something that he's been dealing with all season and, and before then. So there, there may be an element of that uh, in the support. Or maybe it's just because, I mean, there was a lot of players... Um, you know, we don't, we don't know why individual players felt you know they they should like this or support this sentiment. Is it because they feel some deeper kinship with Mendy? You know, as spelled out, let's say as as put explicitly by thousands of other commenters. You know, not the famous footballers uh, commenting on these. You know that they're all basically potential victims of what happened to him. You know that Mendy was stitched up. You know, with false accusations and something needs to be done 
to protect other athletes. I mean, that, that line is literally in the, in the thing that Pai said, we can't accept this to happen to us as athletes. You know, I mean, it's clear from, from the comments that a lot of people believe that like rich, uh, famous athletes are actually a, a very under, uh, they're, they're a, a group of victims that need to be spoken up for in this, mm. you know, in this whole situation. I don't think, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about statistics. I don't think that impression is really reflected in this in the sort of statistics surrounding this crime. I mean, again, more than ninety eight percent of the of the complaints don't even go to court. Now, I don't think you can assume that's because ninety eight percent of uh these complaints or accusations are based on lies or false accusations or the ones that didn't result in a conviction of the less than 2% that go to court, that they too were based on lies and that there, there needs to be some consequences for people making these people uh, making these lies. And, you know, you can't, that's not an assumption I would be comfortable making, let's say. I don't, I think that would be insane. But without that assumption, then you can see just by looking at the numbers that the whole process uh, surrounding this, or the the whole situation of people assaulting each other, people accusing each other of assault, and then the law getting involved to try and determine what should happen here, it's creating a lot more victims than Benjamin Mendy. Let's say you know he you know he's he's been a victim in the sense that Depay is is saying, you know, he's he's lost two years of his career. Who's going to make restitution to him for this? But there are a lot of other people you can see, thousands and thousands of people in the UK alone, mm. who are also not getting justice in different ways, who don't necessarily get the same kind of support. I mean, really, the, the story, the, the many story is, is tragic in the sense that everyone involved in it uh, is a loser. That's it for today's report on sport. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Never forget the true nature of this city. Listen, you screwheads. Here is a man who would not take it anymore. A man who stood up against the scum, the dogs, the filth. Here is someone who stood up. And this bike, by the way, I'd only had for two weeks. What happened to it? Dublin happened to it. Dublin has kicked the shit out of the bike. There was a few minutes when I blithely believed that I lived in a civilized city. I arrived home. It was already dark. There was rain and mud everywhere. Oh my God, this town! 
So I thought to myself, no need to drag my bike through the house, given that all I'm doing is, you know, getting changed and getting my stuff and going to the pool. So I'll just leave it here beside the front door, not on the street. I was in the house for probably for eight to ten minutes. What the fuck? I said, I don't know. I haven't put up back in ages. Just give me some. And there's nobody on the street. And it's dark. And there's not even any foot traffic. Open the door. Bike's gone. Oh my God, this town. It's actually been taken from outside my front door in an eight-minute period of being unguarded. And this bike, by the way, I'd only had for two weeks. This bike was given to me by my brother. Oh my God, this town. And I'm thinking, why? What happened to it? Dublin happened to it. Never forget the true nature of this city. You mentioned last Friday, Ken, that Denise O'Sullivan followed a proud list of Irish sports people to be injured in World Cup warm-up games. I don't know if other nations suffer quite the same way we do mm. in various codes in this scenario. In 2002, Mick McCarthy's team was readying itself for the tournament opener against Cameroon by playing a Japanese club side. Perhaps the manager was unaware that the team they were playing against boasted in its ranks a player hailing from Cameroon who saw fit to hit Jason McIntyre hard and put his World Cup hopes in jeopardy. No such excuses. So I'm giving Mick a bit of an out, an out there. You know, how is he to know? I'm not giving any outs to Eddie O'Sullivan who probably should have guessed what was coming when he sent his Ireland team out against a French club side before Ireland had to play France in the tournament itself. Brian O'Driscoll lucky to come out of the Battle of Bayonne with his head still on attached to his shoulders and now the Denise O'Sullivan incident. So with our litany of bad luck at this critical juncture before major tournaments, perhaps we should all breathe a sigh of relief that Johnny Sexton will not have to take part in any of the warm-ups <laughs> before this year's World Cup. He's been banned for three games after admitting to misconduct for his behaviour towards the match officials after the Champions Cup final defeat to La Rochelle. The European Professional Club Rugby Disciplinary Committee found his behaviour confrontational and aggressive towards and disrespectful of the match officials. It included his pointing a finger at them and shouting at them Something something to this effect. It's a disgrace you guys can't get the big decisions right. Probably accompanied by expletives, most likely the F word. His conduct was obviously unsportsmanlike and brought the sport of rugby union into disrepute. So three games out, it means he is out of harm's way for the matches against Italy, England and Samoa and is free to play, hopefully uninjured, in the World Cup opener uh, against Romania. The Rugby World Cup, it's not far away now as well. It's pretty pretty busy time good time to sign up to the World Service if you're not already a member you can do that in secondcaptains.com don't forget the Second Captains pod is part of the ACAST Creator Network if you become a member you will hear all episodes ad free thanks again thank you Owen thanks for listening which one is that that's the second time it's gone off they never go home they never go home they never go home those, those, those boys the Second Captains World Service it is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.